Hey guys. Oh, I have some stuff for you today. I'm in my pajamas. It's my day off. I slept in. Feels good. <laughs> um, and I was sitting this morning and I was drinking my coffee and scrolling through Instagram and something caught my eye that a psychologist posted. Um, it says, we recreate our childhood experiences as adults in order to feel a false sense of control. As children, we learn environments, habits, behaviors, coping skills, core beliefs, and relationship dynamics from our caregivers. Most of this is nonverbal. It's taught through watching them. As children, we absorb everything like sponges. This is called our conditioning. Um, let me give you this lady's name. She's really good. Her name is Dr. Nicole Lepera, L-E-P-E-R-A. Um, but that caught my eye and then I kind of started thinking about all of this and that's something I've really been exploring lately. Um, personally is, you know, kind of what she was talking about. And so I wrote some things down. Um... And I want to talk about something like the best way I could describe it is the control rabbit hole that we kind of go down with abusive relationships and abusive partners. So kind of like the stemming thing, right, is feelings of no control as a child. So you kind of develop this, this um, thirst for control. Um, subconsciously, like we don't realize it, right, as a kid growing up, but that's kind of what develops and it shows up differently for different people. And so I'm kind of going to share some thoughts on that. Um, because one of the things that really was confusing for me much at first, when I first started learning about, you know, um, what domestic violence is, what domestic abuse is, um, that it's not just getting punched in the face and, you know, listening to other survivors and support groups tell stories that sounded exactly like what I had been through. When I started learning about all of that, it was really confusing for me that we all had very similar backgrounds with childhood and that the partners that we are in these relationships with are, they also have similar backgrounds. And what's confusing for me is that some people turn out like me. Um, you know, kind of the style of like the caregiver, um, the people pleaser, the overachiever, um, kind of anxious, more naturally uh, codependent person. And then some people turn out like my ex-partner who are like fairly emotionless compared to like my emotional makeup. Um, don't experience emotions in the same way. Um, and they're, you know, they're manipulative and, and self-centered and have this like 
weird perception of reality and, you know, gaslighting and all that crap. It's just so confusing for me that the people can turn out so extremely different from the same type of thing. So then I was thinking today, well, it actually kind of makes sense because you develop that thirst for control and it shows up maladaptively and maladaptive behavior and both sides are maladaptive behavior that are trying to gain back control so his version is being controlling and violent with his partners um also maybe in his job right he's a he's a prison guard law enforcement roles are a lot of controlling the environment so he's attracted to that he's attracted to that style of interpersonal relationships and how he lives his life my version of gaining control back was also maladaptive um you know i had struggled with an eating disorder so my control was over my weight um the number on a scale that's what grounded me that was my coping skill um and I kind of thought about it and it's like well I was being violent towards myself you know I was like starving myself and not eating um this is normalized in the mind when you grow up in an environment that is harmful for you you seek out harmful environments in adulthood in kind of re-engaging in this type of relationship I think it's been my way of trying to control the outcome of something that I'm trying to fix from when I was a kid which was my mom and dad and my family dynamic um you know my dad doesn't want me my dad hurts me my dad left me as kind of my core childhood wound and I entered into a relationship with a man who was very similar to my father in so many ways. And I continually, you know, was fighting for this abusive relationship to be fixed because I feel a loss of control with how my dad feels about me. Hard truth right there. Um, but it's it's cleared up a lot for me and it's given me the power to kind of sort through some things with a more rational outlook than an emotional one um and then you know on the flip side my ex-partner gains the same control back through abusive controlling behavior um I'm beginning to understand more which is helpful but I think the most helpful thing I'm learning is me obtaining this goal that I keep going back to isn't going to help my daddy issues. Um, seeking out men like my ex who hurt me so badly and continues to be obsessive to this day. I just received an email from him last night. Um, you know, when I blatantly told him I can't, I can't function in this relationship with you. It's not fixable. You will need counseling. You will need anger management, right? Like, I'm exhausted of this situation. I'm exhausted of being addicted to it. Um, when I was dating, 
over the year I was apart from him, I found myself getting involved with similar men. Not on purpose, but like, you know, a lot of short-lived things that didn't last long because I was a little smarter and picked up on the behavior, but I'm just like naturally attracted to these types of men, I think. And I think I'm like that because, you know, it's to repeat that fixed outcome to attempt like to fix that outcome. Um, the first man I was with after, um, my long-term ex abusive partner also was a correctional officer. Um, so kind of like escaped one terrible situation and like dove right back into a similar personality style. Um, this individual was never like cruel to me, but you know, he, I saw, um, similar personality traits and, you know, like the drinking problem. And so that didn't last very long. The second was a firefighter who had been single for like 10 years. And I'm like, okay, Jen, you're really going to have like a solid, healthy thing with this guy who has commitment issues written all over the wall. Um, he also kind of had similar personality traits going on. Um, in the way of like just meeting me and really like pursuing me, even when I was telling him, you know, like, I don't think I'm ready to date. This is what's been going on with me. Like, I don't, I don't want to start something right now. Like I'm not in the right headspace. And he just was like kind of pushy about it and would say things like, I have so many feelings for you, blah, 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 you know, like in the beginning. And but no commitment through several months of dating. So I gave him a couple months to kind of turn it around with his behavior and his actions matching his mouth and it just didn't happen. So, um, that ended. The third person was another firefighter, um, with a harem of girl best friends, Lord have mercy. Like that didn't last long at all. That one was real sloppy with the lying. It was sad caught his ass red-handed um that was pretty hilarious actually there's a good story to that one fourth was a cop same shit same behavior um you know as the two others I had been with very hot and cold so obviously had the same patterns and I was pretty immediately out of that within a month or so um and finally towards the end of that <laughs> your journey of like you know dating after this, um, person I was with, um, I got with another firefighter who I met through a support group and he was more similar to me. So I was, I was able to recognize traits in him that I recognized in myself. Um, and we tried for a little bit. We had a strong friendship that developed first before we dated. Um, we're still friends, but he lives in New York. So that was challenging. So I'm just now after a second go, you know, with my abuser this last summer, um, when I went back figuring out my version of my version of control and his version of control. So he dates women who are kind, loving, and who are easily controlled. 
at first. He knows what to look for, vulnerability. Um, when I met my ex-abusive partner, I had just lost my mother to cancer and was, was freshly divorced. Um, two other women he dated before and after me, um, who I'm friends with now, they were freshly divorced. Um, so freshly like rejected, feeling rejected, feeling defeated, you know, I thought I was going to spend my life with this person. My marriage fell apart and I'm like right in that prime spot where I'm super vulnerable and here comes Prince Charming. That's what that shit starts with. Um, and I think that once you're with someone like him, women do miss the control and predictability. Like, I liked how regimented and picky he was. Um, you know, he wants what he wants type of a thing. I liked that about him in the beginning. It felt very stable. Um, I found, like, a new sense of comfort in the fact that I could give him what he wanted and get, you know, praise and that he felt good in a relationship with me. Sex was good. Life was good. He called me three times a day at the same time every day. He texted me all day long. He focused on me all day long. So in my time of being super vulnerable and going through, you know, like traumatic experiences, he quickly made me feel I was the center of his universe and I was important to him. That's kind of like the idealization phase before you go into devaluation where like you're not perfect anymore. You've done something to piss them off and now you're not perfect anymore. And then, you know, you get put in the back seat, and then the cheating starts and the abuse starts and blah, blah, blah. So it's a blur of slow manipulation, lies, gaslighting, and that trauma bonding starts to form from there. So, um, you know, these types of partners, they create like a tender full of positive feeling situations. So when they decide to start wounding you, it's easier to control their partners and keep them in the cycle. You know what I mean? So I kind of want to touch back on cognitive dissonance and Stockholm syndrome. Um, those are a couple things I've talked about before, but kind of just thinking about this aspect of it where it's like, we're both you know, displaying uh, maladaptive behavior to gain control back. It's interesting to me how in dating after him, I was able to like swiftly step away from this type of behavior and this type of man and I was turned off by it. But then when I began spending time around um, my ex again, which led to relapse, how he was able to gain that power of control over my emotions again. It's like when I see him, all my sense goes out the window and I get soft after all that I've learned about this stuff, right? After all the work I've done, you know, to help other women, running support groups, giving education, answering phone lines, um, at a domestic violence shelter, being the person talking people out of these types of relationship, giving them that support. Even with all that in my pocket, I still get that switch flip around him. Um, 
I was able to try to ignore that side of things for a while, but you know, one evening at a bar seeing each other for the first time in a year and not really needing to have contact ever again, right? Like I got the conversations, I got the closure, you know, but just that one interaction led to like a lot of curiosity for me and how much I could control my state of mind and my brain in the situation now. But the thing is, once you have developed cognitive dissonance for a person, right? Like, you know, the abusive version, but you've also got this other version of them that isn't abusive and it's highly confusing and your brain goes back and forth between the two. So once you have developed that for a person, once you have been in a cycle with them on the level that I was with this individual, once your brain develops that coping mechanism called romanticizing, um, I have an episode from a while back when I first started this on romanticizing, where your brain does its own thing and shifts your attention to the version of the situation that doesn't hurt as bad as the real one, right? Um, y'all know what I'm talking about. When, when that hope comes back in, all of a sudden there's hope again, um, and you lose your sense of reality of the situation when all they have to do is like smile and be kind to you for five minutes. And you're like in this la la land of, oh, this feels so good. And I forgive him. And I think we could be this version where he's not abusive. Um, and we live happily ever after, right? Once your brain forms a pattern of that for a person um, and they're abusive to you, and I have the same issue with my dad. I go soft with my dad too. So I'm, I don't go around my dad. I don't talk to my dad. Um, you will always run the risk, and it's a high one, of your mind switching involuntarily to that mode in this person's presence of thinking that they're not going to hurt you again or feeling safe with them when you are not. It is the equivalent to looking down at a big scary knife that once cut you open and your mind telling you that that's not a knife, that knife loves you and would never cut you. And your ass will not even realize it's happening until it's too late. That's the risk you run in being around your abuser again. Um, you know, and then you hide it from the people who know better, right? You're like, no, this feels good. I don't want to tell anybody. And you'll slip. I know I did. Um, so. Even I need to not be around my ex-abusive partner because the romanticizing will return without me being able to stop that. I have to accept that and I... And that I don't have control over it, right? Even with everything I know, um, I had to accept that after this last experience. It's created through a combination of intense trauma that we go through in these relationships and their tactics of telling you that you are wrong about them. They'll never hurt you again when they did five minutes ago. Um... It has a name, what I'm talking about, and it's called Stockholm Syndrome, and it's dangerous. 
Traumatic bonding is dangerous, and once you form a bond with an abusive, violent, devious individual, it will not be undone. You must stay away from them to stay on track. Okay. Um, and I believe it's the same for him, right? Like, they traumatically bond, too. So, for him... I am an outlet for him. He knows he can do this to me. And it feels good to control me emotionally. Um, now, this last round didn't last long. A couple months. Um, the first time it was a couple years. And I was sure to try to stay in check as much as possible when I started interacting with him again. And he didn't put hands on me this time. I think he knows better than that that was highly unsuccessful for him in the past um I'm not a curl up in a ball and cover my head type of abuse victim Mm -mm. I will rearrange the furniture in a room real quick before you harm me uh I have a gut like no other and when my gut feelings tell me something is about to go wrong my ass is prepared honey but he gets me in other ways though um so even though that side of it didn't return, you know, the emotional abuse did. He convinces me he's sorry, you know, and that he won't do it anymore and he wants to get help. And then I'm, I'm worth him changing and he loves me that much. And that's where the problem is. He continues to, to emotionally abuse me. Um, that's how he gets me. And It's just not good. So what I'm saying is when he and I try to coexist, there is a dynamic that is just there. It's unchangeable. And we get sucked into that control vortex um, mixed with like extreme feelings, big highs, big lows, uh, big sex. And it's just really not a productive or safe situation. And most importantly, it is not love. It's intensity. Do not confuse the two. So I thought I'd touch on that also, the intensity of these relationships and confusing that with like true love. Um, I think abusers want healthy love. I do. That's kind of the heartbreaking side of it. Um, You know. I watch these men be in terrible relationships. Um, You know, once I started to become educated in abusive behavior, it made me curious. I had some thoughts um, around that and I had some thoughts around preservation of intensity um, versus them choosing to change and get healthy if that's what they want. I mean, I feel like most men that have this relationship style, like there is some part of them that just wants things to settle down and be calm and like they want to be happy, but maybe they struggle with like wanting to preserve that intensity of the relationship. If it becomes normal and healthy, they can't feel the highs. Um, you know, if I get bored with you, I'll lose my vice right? Abusive partners are kind of like human drugs for one another. 
um, I think they're stuck being attracted to intensity versus a person. So the women in these dynamics, we are a vice for them. Um, and I think that's why we don't really feel seen or heard. Um, it's a lot of like fascination, obsession, infatuation. Those are all things that I'm still kind of trying to understand and really want to understand that side of human behavior. And kind of my side of all this is if I'm trying to feel lovable to somebody who will not love me in return, what am I really doing? What am I doing? I'm trying to heal childhood wounds. Um, so I have to do some work around experiencing healthy love also. The only thing that's felt good to me is having a partner be obsessed and very sexually infatuated and addicted to me. Um, if I want to avoid further abusive relationships, I have to undo this programming in my own sexuality and in, you know, my mind and, um, develop a healthier version of myself that isn't bored with healthy love either. I'm getting there. Um, that's the current goal that I'm kind of focusing on right now. And this last round with him, that's kind of what I noticed most. I was more aware of exactly who he is and what mode he drives in. Um, you know, he is obsessive, he is controlling and his behavior towards me isn't healthy, but I noticed how good it felt. Maybe this was like a a trial and error thing for me. Maybe I re-entered it to kind of get more answers myself to the whole situation. I don't know. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out, but I did notice that, um, you know, like I know what's healthy and I know what's not healthy now. And I noticed how good unhealthy felt for me. Um, and when I began to get wrapped up again and it was accelerating, but then it gets to a point where you feel strung out and that's the best way I could describe it. You know, it's just feeling strung out. I was dependent on the obsessive behavior from him. Um, and it didn't feel good because it's not real, you know, um, it didn't feel healthy and I got tired of the dysfunction it was bringing to my life again, you know, the up, down, up, down, not knowing like if we're going to be good with each other one day and hate each other the next, or, you know, if he was going to be mad at me, I got tired of that really quickly this time. So I walked, um, for myself and for my daughter and when I went to my family and I told them, Hey, I'm in a really bad place again. Um, I went back. Um, I remember saying to them, I want to get sober, you know, these relationships are highly addictive. It's, it's hard <laughs> to function in another way when that's been the norm for so long. There's a lot of neurochemistry that develops and doesn't just go back to normal when you get away from them. It's still there and then you crave it, you know? So it just takes a while to 
adjust. Um, I know both times I left him, there was like a deep, deep depression that I went into immediately following. Um, and like just that really bad heartbreak, but it's helpful for me. What was helpful for me this time, but also kind of made it hurt more. (laughs) Like, I felt more, right? Like, it was feeling more feelings. Um, But it helped me have a better understanding of the situation that I'm not just heartbroken over the inability for us to repair this relationship that we both keep going back to. Um, You know, and the the breakup was a little different this time. Like, he was much more kind um it wasn't explosive we weren't like super pissed at each other everything was out on the table um there's really no like hiding it anymore you know for him but it was just very upfront, and I just told him like it's never gonna change I can't do this anymore with you I've given you so long to do what you need to do to be better to me and you won't do it and I don't know that he wants to Maybe he's preserving that intensity of our relationship. You know, if he gets healthy with me, I'm not a drug for him anymore. And it makes me wonder, if we were to get healthy, would I feel the same about him? Would I feel those intense feelings for him? So, I'm chewing on that too, because I, my gut's kind of telling me no. This person actually doesn't mean that much to you. It doesn't, it's not as much as you feel. It's a facade that they create. So, you know, and I tell him that too. Um, I brought that up kind of in the, the final stretch of things when we were having these conversations. I told him it makes me sad that I'm heartbroken over a version of you that doesn't even exist, you know. It's that version that you gave me in the very beginning that I work so hard to get back to. Um, As all survivors do, that's kind of what keeps us in the cycle. We're just chasing that original version that they give us because it's so wonderful. And it made us feel so good when we were in a bad spot, you know. But the truth is, that's not who they are. And it's sad. So, there's depression. There's grieving. There's anger. Um, I am kind of, my depression is kind of lifting. It's been a couple months. And now I'm kind of starting to feel angry again because I've been away from him. When you're away from them, your rationality starts to come back. It starts to kick back in and the romanticizing fades. Um because that knife's not in front of you anymore so when you get away you're like oh yeah that was yeah that was that was gonna hurt me again that has hurt me you know um and it makes you angry so those are my thoughts um I just kind of wanted to share like some of the realizations I'm coming to around my own stuff with control um hope it helps. All right, guys. Much love. Till next time.